This morning we're going to go to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3. Last week we heard about how the kingdom of Solomon, kingdom of God, and also kingdom of Messiah, with uh, kingdom of Solomon represents kings, kingdom of Messiah, was established firmly uh, by eliminating three people who represents a kingdom of this world who loved money, power, and pleasure. And then we are going to continue in chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse 15. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until, until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around, all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statue of his father David except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offering on the, at the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon and in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant, David my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of your father David, of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out and come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you ha have not asked, both riches and honor, so there shall, be, there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. And if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David, David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. 
<laughs> Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how do you know that all we read just now is true? In other words, how do you know the Bible is true? Is that really reliable? One of the ways that we can know the scripture is true is this. That the historical accounts in the Bible does not try to hide the ugly truth of biblical figures. David, for instance, considered as one of the best kings in Israel, his ugly sins were not hidden. His son Solomon, although he was the wealthiest and wisest, richest king, still the scripture does not hide his weaknesses and his wrongdoings. Compare that with uh, some historical historical accounts that are recorded by human hands. Historical uh, records which contains acts of kings or dynasty, uh, scholars and historians, when they read them, they filter them because not everything they say is true. Emperors with their mighty power, they can pressure the those who the, those scribes, uh, the scribes, and to to magnify their victories when they write their acts, kings exaggerate the number of people they killed in the battle to make him look good. But when they when they lost uh, a battle, they tend to minimize the casualties of their troops. Or sometimes kings do not even tell the story if they think the story is too embarrassing. It is very hard to find the accurate uh, accounts, historical records uh, from the history. But in the Bible, that's not the case. There is no exaggeration to magnify king's victories. There is no minimization of king's losses, losses. Rather, we find many mistakes and many embarrassing accounts of many people in the Bible. Even Moses, he was angry and struck the rock with his staff that he could not enter the promised land. And Moses himself was the author, human author of, of five books of Moses. Solomon is not an exception to this. This means unlike other historical records, the Bible is reliable and can be trusted. Why? Because the author is the Holy Spirit himself, the Spirit of truth. And here's the theme and points. The Lord blessed Solomon after Solomon requested God's wisdom. First point, we see Solomon's wrong choice. A second point, he makes right choice. 1 Kings 3 is a good example that the Holy Spirit is not hesitant to write truth for us, to tell the truth. Even, even the ugly truth that we, do, we want to avoid, even the ugliness that we do not want to hear. 
First Kings 3 begins with some warning signs. There were already some uh, writings on the wall, so to speak, in the early days of Solomon's kingdom. Well, when we think of Solomon's early days, we, we think of Solomon's early days are very positive, it's fair, which is true. But his laters were, later days were spiritually um, negative. So if you study the first kings as a whole, the first chapter, first ten chapters of first kings, they seem to describe Solomon's positive things. And later, uh, from chapter 11, tells how Solomon turned away, turned away from the Lord, and his heart was not like uh, before, and so on. However, even in early chapters, we see some warning signs. And his downfall had to do with his love for money, pleasure, and power. Now, how ironic it is. Because as we heard last week, uh, previously in chapter 2, Solomon's kingdom was firmly established by eliminating three enemies who loved money, pleasure, and power. Now here Solomon is enticed and tempted to love, love, love money, pleasure, and power. So chapter 2, his older brother Adonijah tried to claim the throne. He failed and he, request, he requested Abishag, Abishag, the beautiful woman who was given to his father David, to be his wife. And this request, his pursuit of sexual desire, sexual pleasure, led him to fall. Joab, the general, he was a man of violence. He tried to seize the political power by being violent. He loved the power, he loved the power, and his love of power made him to fall. A third, Shimei, he was under house arrest in Jerusalem. Solomon said, if you go out of Jerusalem, he will be certainly killed, and he did, because his slaves ran away. And he wanted to get those two slaves back. His love of property, his love of wealth made him fall. So pleasure, power, and money. Solomon's kingdom, which is equated as the kingdom of God, you can see at the beginning, draws a firm line between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world sinful, uh, with the sinful desires. These sinful desires are the enemies of the kingdom of God. Yet, interestingly, ironically, the early signs of Solomon's downfall also had to do with his love of money, sex, and power. The first warning sign in chapter 3 is a Solomon's choice of a life partner. He made a marriage alliance with Egypt by taking Pharaoh's daughter. Now, this union was problematic in several ways, since he, we have no reason to think that Pharaoh's daughter uh, had a faith in the Lord. We can only conclude that Solomon was unequally yoked. It's not surprising that marry, marrying outside of faith eventually led Solomon into idolatry. It becomes very clear if you can open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 11. 
If you can, please follow with me. First Kings chapter 11. Now the, the term daughter of Pharaoh is mentioned once again, but it got worse. Chapter 11 verse 1, the king Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, Hittites, from the nations whom the Lord had said to the children of, children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, no day with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Very straightforward. Now, second problem with this marriage was that it formed unholy alliance with Egypt. Uh, maybe it was a good move, politically speaking. But spiritually speaking, it was a bad idea. Solomon, Solomon was seduced by, the, by power as well as pleasure. Deuteronomy 17, the Lord commands his people what to do when they choose, when they have a king. And this is what the king, uh, the king had to do. Deuteronomy 17, 16. The king must not get more and more horses for himself. And he must not send people to Egypt to get more horses. Egypt was known for horses. Uh, because the Lord has told you. Now, it does not mean that the Lord hates horses. That's not what it means. It means, uh, it means that king is the king of Israel may be tempted to increase uh, military power to the point that he would compromise his faith, his principles uh, to Egypt. You must never go back that way. Why? Because Egypt represented the spiritual downfall. Verse 17 of Deuteronomy chapter 17. Also, the king must not have too many wives. Why? Because that will make him turn away from the Lord, and he must not make himself rich with silver and gold. The same thing, because that will turn away king's heart from the Lord. Because King Solomon was occupied with women, because he was busy playing politics, he neglected one thing that is very important. The Lord said, do not send people to Egypt, do not lead people to Egypt, never go back that way. But it seems like Solomon failed in that aspect. Now what Solomon failed, the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate king, made it right. The prophet Hosea prophesied about Christ in Hosea chapter 11. And out of Egypt I called my son. And this was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2. When Christ returned from Egypt. Symbolizing that the true son of Israel, the firstborn of God. Came to accomplish perfect obedience of God's commitment. Which is to turn away from spiritual downfall, Egypt, 
symbol of slavery, and head toward God's promised land. What Israel failed, what Solomon failed, Christ accomplished. Now, going back to 1 Kings chapter 3, notice that the Holy Spirit sharply criticized what Solomon neglected. So what, what, what is wrong with being occupied with women and political power and wealth? Well, you see, Solomon neglected what is the most important in the pe- people of Israel. Chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter. He brought her to the city of David. Now notice the word, until, before, even though he had not finished, until he had finished building his own house, the house of the Lord, and on the wall around Jerusalem. Verse, verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord. He did love the Lord. Walking in the statue of his father. And notice the word, except. Except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. So, I would like to, uh, I, this is what I usually do in a catechism class. If you have a pen or highlighter, I would ask you to highlight or circle, underline those two words in verse 1, verse 3. Verse 1, keyword, until. He brought her to the city of David until he had finished the building. In verse 3, except, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Those two words are very crucial because those two words indicate the spiritual state of Solomon. In Hebrew, it is the same, it's the same word, rock, which can be translated as yet, until, or except. It goes like this. He, had, he brought Pharaoh's daughter, although, or, although he had not built the house of the Lord. He brought the Pharaoh's daughter to the city of David, and yet, without building the temple of God. Verse 3, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father, except he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Later, people, because there was no temple, people continued to burn incense at the high places. Why? Because there was no house of the Lord built yet. Everything that Solomon did was good. It was okay. He loved the Lord. He walked in the, in, in the law of God. Except, except this crucial one. Except one. Now also notice that in verse 1, how the Holy Spirit listed the order of building project. He brought her into the city of David until he had finished first his own house, second, the house of the Lord, and then third, the wall around Jerusalem. It sounds like a book of Haggai too. The people of Israel, when they returned from captivity, first what they did was they laid the foundation of the house of the Lord first. Yet they did. Uh, but, but first they built their own house, paneled houses, and they forgot about the, Lord, the, the house of the Lord. And then it was long, it was until after Nehemiah came back, the wall of Jerusalem 
was also forgotten. So indeed, you can see that Solomon spent more time, he, he gave more attention to his own house than the house of the Lord. His father, however, was a different, had a different attitude. David always felt in his, uh, while he was on the throne, he always felt guilty that he's living in a fancy house in Jerusalem while the ark of, the, of God dwells in a tent. Second Samuel chapter two verse sorry, Second Samuel, Samuel chapter seven verse two, the king said to prophet Nathan, "See, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in the tent curtains." You see the different attitude here. David was so eager to build the house of the Lord. He prepared the materials, and he he and then but but sadly he was not allowed to build the the house of the Lord. He even had a blueprint of the temple, but he was not allowed because he saw too much blood. Whereas his son Solomon, he was able to because everything was prepared for him. He was wealthy. But notice that in First Kings seven it says. Solomon built the house for himself, which took 13 years to complete, while the temple only took seven years. Love these little details in the scripture. First, his house, and the house of the Lord, and the wall of Jerusalem, 13 years, seven years. So what can we learn from the, this detailed information? Well, this strongly suggests that Solomon's devotion to building the temple, well, was there. But again, the word except, he didn't do it. He was more concerned with the, the details and sizes of his palace than the sanctuary where God would be worshipped. Solomon loved the Lord indeed, but he did not pour everything he had. Whereas our Lord Jesus Christ, he poured everything for his people. He gave everything, his body, his blood, out of love for God and his neighbor. Now the, the, look at the devastating result of um, Solomon's negligence. Chapter 3 verse 2. Meanwhile the people sacrificed at the high places. Because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. You see, throughout the first kings and second kings, the term high places has a very negative connotation. The high places were elevated place where people worshipped foreign gods. Later, this term high places become a synonym for Israel's unfaithfulness. In Deuteronomy 12 verse 2, the Lord already said, you shall utterly destroy all the places where nations serve their gods. On the high mountains, on the hills, under every green tree, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Now give a little bit of benefit of doubt. Uh, there was no place, proper place, though 
So it seems like the Lord um, forgave and also even acquiesced and uh, let them worship. Like Samuel, he uh, sacrificed in Gibeon, a high place. Solomon did too. But it does not mean Solomon is being excused from negligent building the temple of the Lord. Because after the building was, a te- building was built, those high places were seen as very negatively. Throughout 1 Kings and 2 Kings, the Holy Spirit evaluates each king's spiritual health on the basis of how many high places were there. Did they increase the altars of high places for false gods and encourage the false worship? Evil kings. If they destroyed high places, there were good kings. However, even some good kings, they did good things, but they failed to destroy all the high places. So Solomon was a good king. He loved the Lord, except one thing, that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. The Lord wanted his people, 12 tribes, to gather together as one people to worship the Lord in one place in the Old Testament until Christ came. And then, however, after Solomon's death, the kingdom was divided and the high places became the place of idols just like other nations did. His father David told Solomon on his deathbed, keep the commandments of the Lord, keep his law, as it is written in the law of Moses. Again, Deuteronomy 12 verse 2, you shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations serve their gods, high mountains, high places on the hills. I'd like to re-emphasize that expression, this, the meaning of that expression, Solomon did everything. Yes, he did. Except he sacrificed at a high place. He did everything except he loved the foreign women, except he had, he had uh, finished the building of uh, a, a house of the Lord. A king did those things. And the spiritual status, spiritual condition of his people went down. However, what is more striking is this. And we will go to the second point. Although Solomon was not perfect, although he failed, the Lord still blessed him. Verse 4, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because there was a high place, great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. And then, that day, the Lord appeared to him in a dream by night. Now, the Lord's appearance to Solomon says more about his divine grace than about Solomon's obedience. See? Because of Solomon... Although he 
did love the Lord, yet it is also true that his heart was not totally fixed on the Lord. He had a wandering heart and loved money, sex, and power. In other words, Solomon was just like us. We say, we love the Lord, but we go astray. David said, according to the law of Moses, well, law of Moses said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. But still, the Lord blessed him. In a dream, the Lord said, ask Solomon, what do you want? Ask, what shall I give you? The answer, I'm a little child, he said. I do not know how to go out and come in. Give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. Now listen to this. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? This is a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. No one can judge these people except you, Lord. So what is happening? Well, Solomon shows First, humility. I'm a little child. As we read from the form of baptism, first, there has to be a sense of humility that I despise my nature, my sinful nature. I despise my pride. I'm a little child. His request begins with the proper acknowledgement of his limitation. And the second, Solomon asked for an understanding heart. In other words, Wisdom. The Lord was pleased. You have not asked riches nor the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. There will be no one like you before you and after you. Verse 13, the Lord also gives wealth and honor which reminds us of Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will, will be added to you. So again, why did the Lord bless him? Why? In other words, why was the Lord pleased by Solomon? We may wonder, well, probably because he burnt thousand burnt offerings. He gave thousand burnt offerings on the altar is that why? No. Because in other passages it says, in other passages it says, the Lord desires no sacrifice. He desires no sacrifice but mercy. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Prophet Samuel said that to Saul. Was Solomon obedient? Yeah, somewhat. But not perfect. There were still lots of room to improve. But again, why? Why did Solomon blessed, was blessed by the Lord? The answer is right on in uh, verse 10. The speech, it was the speech. The speech pleased the Lord and Solomon had asked this thing. So again, it's not the burnt offering. It's not his works. But what pleased the Lord was his request. His request, which has something to do with what he didn't have. His request was based not on his greed or his pride, but his 
humility, derived from his humbleness. His request was from his faith, depending on the Lord. Because he was like a little child, he did not know what to do. Because Solomon realized that he did not have discernment, and he also acknowledged that who can judge these people? Rhetorical question. Except you, realizing that without God's wisdom and judgment, he cannot do what he's supposed to do: the ruling, the kingdom, bring justice in the kingdom. In other words. It was a confession of his faith, dependence on the Lord. He realized that in order to rule the kingdom and firmly establish the kingdom and secure the kingdom, you need wisdom—not just any wisdom, but divine wisdom. And Lord willing, we'll hear about that. How the divine wisdom was. Revealed remarkably in a one court case in this evening. Hopefully, we'll hear about that this evening, Lord willing. The Lord was pleased with Solomon. Not again, not because he gave something to the Lord, but because he requested something that he didn't have with humility, with faith, not any kind of wisdom, but divine wisdom. It becomes very clear at the end of chapter three. After Solomon gave remarkable judgment, it says they feared the Solomon because at the end of chapter three, for they saw the wisdom of God was in him. What can we learn from this? Well, the same wisdom of God, the divine wisdom in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul calls that wisdom of God. Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter one verse eighteen, or verse thirty, he said, "Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ became our, Christ became for us a wisdom from God. Just as the wisdom of God has to come to Solomon to secure the kingdom." For us to enter the kingdom of God, Christ has to come to us. The wisdom of God. How can I enter the kingdom of God? It is by the wisdom of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Many people thought that Christ dying on the cross is a foolishness, is nonsense. But Paul says that is. The wisdom of God. You can see the wisdom Christ is closely connected to the kingdom of God, messianic kingdom of God. See, we although we are not perfect, just like Solomon, although we lack many things, we love money, power, and pleasure. Just like Solomon did, God will receive us simply because. Simply on the basis of Jesus Christ, that we depend on Jesus Christ, God's wisdom does not mean we are excused from falling away from the law of God. 
Paul says, because of grace, we ought to follow the law of God all the more. So, the main theme is the Lord blessed the Solomon after he requests God's wisdom. If we apply that to us, it can be like this. The Lord blessed us on the basis of Christ's merit because we rely on the Lord Jesus Christ, God's divine wisdom. And Lord, will, Lord willing, in this evening, we'll see what it looks like in the real life.